Quiet on the set. Action. Hello, and welcome to The Movie Machine, a podcast produced by Hot Chocolate Media, where we take three funny people and we have them craft a movie for us based out of a random suggestion from the internet. I am joined by three fantabulous guests, three of the Hollywood elite here today. We have our writer, Ben Lifson, who is the laugh track editor on Fuller House. We have James Fairbairn, our director, who is Whoopi Goldberg's optometrist. It's true. She has brilliant It's her eyes. birthday today, by the way. Happy yeah. birthday. Oh, wow. Very uh, cool. Not only are her eyes gorgeous, she actually has, uh, she has like 120 vision. She can see at 100 feet what other people see. She's like an eagle. Very cool. Yeah. Then we have, she couldn't see bad career choices. That has Am to, I right? Yeah. <laughs> Jumping Jack Flash was I an amazing film. I can't see, film. but I lifted my hand up. Okay. Theodore Rex. <laughs> and then we have our producer, Kyle, uh, Kyle Decker, who is Dom DeLuise's secret love child. <laughs> Welcome, Kyle. Hello! Makes a weird kind of sense. All right. Here is our prompt. The theme of this story is dramatic conflict. The main character is a compassionate cleric. The start of the story is surrender, and the end of the story is adoration. All right. So this is, I'm um, thinking this is going to be a fantasy setting. Uh, we're going, by cleric, we're going, you know, video game sort of light magic healer sort of deal. You know, we're going to use a pretty generic fantasy setting. Um, if we can get the rights to it, I'd love to set it in a currently generic fantasy setting, but whatever, we'll do what we can. It's going to start, you know, like the dark armies have already, you know, searing the, the world. The, the last heroes have fallen, the, the gates like maybe like the seven gates have fallen or whatever. So there's the dark army and they're taking over. And um, so most people have given up hope. And really a lot of this story is, I guess you could call it post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic fantasy, where it started with that. And then sort of in the background of the rest of the movie, you know, the big battles happening, the, the heroes of light are fighting back. But this is really about what's happening on the ground level. And this is about the cleric, um, who I will give him a fancy name like uh, Larzanak or something. Um, I- I'm sure we can get a linguist to think of a better name than that. But and just kind of going around uh, trying to heal, trying to save people who were you know the main heroes are just kind of like abandoning the towns and whatever because they're trying to save the world. Now, kind of what a twist could be though is partway through he or maybe you know what maybe she. It, it really doesn't matter. Um, I'll let my director kind of make that call where maybe an orc or demon, you know, whichever. You know what, we're going with demons, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm setting thing down there, it's just gonna be demons, and uh, she's trying to help a demon as well. And that then creates some conflicts with some of the other clerics who say like, oh, we can't help um, them, they're part of the problem, and it sort of becomes a conflict where it's like, well, we took the vow to help everyone, and this person's no longer a threat anymore. And then I guess just sort of as we get closer to and closer to the end, um, this person gets more and more recognized for all the people that they save. And uh, at the end, maybe she sacrifices her life to try to help someone in need. Uh, maybe like a demon in need or or whatever. Or that could actually be the big twist is um, near the end, like 
one of the main demons is di- or the son of the main demon is like dying and then and that's just going to escalate the war but then the cleric helps that the son and then that kind of makes sort of the demons without making it too like do ex machina think like well you know they helped us maybe we don't have to fight and as much to take over the world so kind of admiration of showing mercy to your enemies and uh the title will be soul saving grace spelled s-o-u-l okay all right so james a leather-bound tome has just arrived in the mail for yes, you yes yes uh, detailing the chronicles intrigued. of the cleric larzanach battling against the demons of the dark army Ordinarily, uh, uh, these scripts, they uh, I, I sort of pick and choose. I definitely went with this one right away, the moment that I unwrapped it, because not only did the, the title grab me, but uh, it was an interesting choice for them to have written it on a parchment made from human skin. And I, I just, uh, the feel, the feel of that was really intriguing. So I have been itching to make a war movie for uh, for quite a while now and uh, I know that that sounds odd but really to bring the horrors of war uh, to the the populace because it's something that we tend to cover up and I really want people to know what's going on in the world today so I thought what I would uh, would do is sort of push the envelope on this uh, that, that was given to me I want to not only make this movie, but I want to to have it be an allegory to to the the wars that we have going on right now in uh, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and just the Middle East turmoil. So, what I have done uh, is to uh, sort of. Uh, what I'm doing is filming the parts of this that I feel will make the most sense first, uh, and then I want to really push, really push sort of the background story that he's talking about in this script with, uh, you know, the relationship between this cleric uh, and and the demon, the son of the demon king. I I want that to be a a romance, uh, and I want it to be not necessarily a dances with wolves kind of relationship uh, because that's been done to death but uh, I want it to be a sort of a meeting of mutual respect between two cultures and and avoid that so what I'm, I'm doing I'm shooting this as a, a black and white uh, sort of Schindler's list in a fantasy setting more of a, a fizz bindler's list where we're we're going to have the cleric push for understanding between uh, herself, and I'm, I am making the decision that this will be a, a female cleric, between herself and the demon populace. We're going to learn about the beauty of this demon populace, but I also don't want to lose our religious crowd. So when we say demon, I think we're, we're just going to, we're going to sort of use the Japanese idea of the demon, the oni, and, uh, and, and really sort of go for that aesthetic as well, a Japanese fantasy. So that's how we're filming it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've got some ideas for casting, but I would really like to leave that up to the producer because I want us to have the best casting for the money. All right, Kyle, so you've got an extensive treatment. You know, two leather-bound tomes <clears throat> on your desk. 
uh, from both Ben and James detailing the, the possibilities for this movie. What happens next? Well, I, I hope the leather's Corinthian. <laughs> you know, it feels so good. Anyway, uh, well, this is quite, quite the, you know, exciting uh, opportunity for me. It's like... Dad always said, you'll get your shot one day, kiddo, you know. So, casting, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. So, so the movie's called Soul What? Saving Grace. Soul Saving Grace. It has kind of a religious feel. We also want to tap, you know, any any movie with the word soul in it, people expect a little color in their casting. So, we're going to go with Queen Latifah as our lead. And then uh, we, we need the lead demon, the voice actor, uh, Burt Reynolds, Longtime friend of my dad, and uh, I know he's always looking for work. And you know, voice acting he doesn't even have to put pants on. So, Burt Reynolds is gonna come in and do the voice of the demon, you know. And you know what else we need? We need Queen Latifah needs a punchy sidekick, you know, someone to lay down one liners and all for her to have fun with. So, I'm gonna get Dwayne the Rock Johnson to play her like meaty gladiator warrior sidekick to go with. The cleric, so they'll they'll make jokes about hammers, cause the the clerics always have hammers in these things, right? So so we have Dwayne the Rock Johnson say hammer time, and it'll get lots of laughs, just like in Cannonball Run two. <laughs> yeah, that was a classic, wasn't it? Anyway, oh budget, so uh, Queen Latifah and and Burt Reynolds will get on a discount, and Dwayne the Rock Johnson is he makes a movie every month. He makes like 12 movies a year. So he's actually able to wear it. And if you get if he gets to wear sandals and a sword, he gives a discount. I don't know if you knew this. So we'll make sure he gets sandals and a sword in this film. Uh, so we're going to set the budget, but we want some modest. We want to be able to do your Hollywood magic on the uh, on the demons and whatnot. So we'll make sure you have a nice, maybe we'll get ILM or, or way to workshop. So we'll give you a nice tidy budget of 95 million. So you can, can really spend the big bucks on the special effects because we're not really spending much on the cast here. Queen Latifah just needs to make sure we get a full sushi buffet every day in her trailer served on servant boys and girls, you know. is I know it's a bit of an odd request, but it's what que- the queen wants and it's She's what the queen, queen gets. Oh. Yes, uh, just just keep Burt Reynolds out of that trailer at all costs. I mean, well, maybe we should do the voice acting recorded in a separate city and not tell him, you know, maybe tell him it's an animated film. Maybe it's American Tales 6, Feifel goes to the North Pole or something and Burt Reynolds won't be the wiser. So, 95 million, make sure Burt Reynolds gets some work. Oh, he, he likes Bushmills single malt, by the way. All right, so Ben, you now have a second leather tome to add to your original, and you've also got like, a dime store, thrift store, secondhand cookbook that has big loopy scribbles all over it with some more notes. It's actually a Fievel America Goes West Trapper Keeper. Oh, okay, okay. Well, this the cookbook's inside. Yes. You've also got... $95 million to make your movie. So what's what's coming next? How is this going to develop? Okay, so, well, casting is um, out of my hands, obviously. But I feel like, so this Dwayne the Rock Johnson character, um, I think we can sort of work this better into the story. So what we're going to have is... Can he have a really tough name like Brash Rackmore? Something or Zartok the Brave. Something. Oh, I like that too. So we're gonna have uh, sort of we're gonna show introduction and show why Dwayne the Rock. I mean Zartok is hanging around in this movie because I feel like we're gonna need an explanation for that. So Zartok is gonna be like one of the 
like in the opening scenes, like the one of the brave warriors, you know, kind of thing, the kind of hero you'd expect in the movie, and he gets like the shit beat out of him. You know, he's beaten, he's dying. So that that'll be someone that the cleric helps near the beginning of the movie, and um, that also can kind of give a reason why they have to stick around for a little bit because there can be a bit like your your wounds haven't fully healed, and you know, like I'm your doctor, I gotta keep sort of an eye on you kind of deal. I guess there can be some interplay too where. You know, Zartok is like, I don't, <laughs> I feel fine, I can fight. And it's like, no, you can't, you still have a ruptured spleen or something like that. So I think that that can kind of work in there. I guess we can add some comic relief to it. I, I like if we can keep it not from not going overboard, but um, that'll kind of also de- depend on delivery and how that's handled. <clears throat> I think that we're going to also, the print... Part of his injury is also, like, his speech is going to get messed up a bit. So uh, he's not always going to be Burt Reynolds. But when he is, he's Burt Reynolds. Just because that's great. Uh, um, I think we'll introduce him earlier as, like, a legitimate threat. Uh, Maybe they even attack. And maybe he's the one who actually gets injured by Zartok the Brave. And that kind of then creates a um, sort of a conflict where the cleric has to decide... I need to help this demon, but he's been injured by the person who I'm also taking care of, and they fought each other, so what do I do? Just sort of really push the limit of uh, the cleric's moral compass, and that's kind of near the end what sort of brings everything back together. I don't think they should know that he's the prince of the demons until near the end as well, partially to make that a nice thing for the audience. Yeah, and that's kind of my main deals there. All right, so James, you've got your revisions. You've got a handful of new things that are going to happen. What comes next? I I I love I love what I'm working with here. I do. I love this. Um, you know, we've got all of these fantastic colors of Play-Doh that uh, we've mixed together, and they they just make the most inexplicably beautiful uh, mottled pattern of color. Again, I I would like this to be a a war movie. I would like there to be an obvious uh, tie to to wars that we have going on right now. I want it to be serious. I I do want it to be action-packed. So, uh, you know, early on, the army is defeated. uh, They're behind enemy lines. I want uh, the cleric and this this moment between the cleric and uh, Dwayne Zartok uh, to be very touching, uh, but I also want there to be a danger. So we're we're going to be um, really filming this at a hard angle on uh, sort of the oppressive nature of where they're at and the danger that there is being. I'm thinking that just for setting, we're we're going to make this um, sort of an internment camp or an imprisonment uh, between the two of them uh, that they escape together. Uh, and I I love. I love the characters that I'm being being given to work with. I think that uh, filming much of this in color and then selectively removing color to push sort of the emotion of the scene is going to be very powerful. I'm going to be uh, I'm, I'm going to be working very closely. He said he was going to leave team. some color in. So, uh, but yes, almost almost a film noir sort of look to it with a really uh, stark contrast in light and shadow. Yes, I think I think what we're working with is lovely. I want to to make sure that the audience buys 
into the 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 feeling of the film so making the action sequences appear for the most part off screen referring back to them will not only save us quite a bit of money i think you know but we can really dedicate that 95 million to the effects that we have on screen with the the people who do appear we can keep the cast low low number of extras i know that they just work for sandwiches but we can keep the casting low we can make uh, we can push all of that money into the detail and the richness of the atmosphere and uh, and and the the costumes and characters i i think that this is an excellent direction for us to go a more personal film all right, Kyle, so you've got a whole host of revisions to build upon your vision. What happens next? Well, I saw the, the original cut, and I really say it's a bit of a downer. Like, I, I didn't want to, my fantasy hop, you know, has sold in the name and Queen Latifah herself to, to make people sad. I certainly didn't cast Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Queen Latifah for people to be sad. They're not necessarily known for making sad movies. Let's let's lose the internment camp or have them escape, and then instead of a internment camp, can it be like a like a fat camp or a diet camp? Or let's just say it's a nondescript warrior camp held by orcs. Like internment camps make me sad. They make me think of the real world, and you know that makes me think of dad, and then I get very very upset. But also, you know, I, I realize Queen Latifah and Dwayne the Rock Johnson have certain chemistry, but there's not enough quip and give and humor. Put in, we need one more character. We need them to escape with a, a fellow prisoner who's kind of known for his slapstick and his goofiness. We're going all the way back to the original Cannonball Run and we're going to get Jackie Chan. And we're going to have this nice, you know, Jackie Chan doing his karate kung fu stuff till he, you know, accidentally snaps his fingers maybe on a mace and goes, ha, ah, like he does. That'll make people laugh. Maybe he'll use something like an armoire as a weapon or something to escape the camp. Something very Jackie Chan-like. Maybe, maybe you know, the orcs have a water bladder of sorts that they use to feed the prisoners. That they, they Jackie Chan jumps on the water bladder and hits the orc chieftain in the face it could be a whole lot of fun and then the three of them it's it's just lots of drone shots of them traveling across the land having shenanigans with each other i'll let you determine what the shenanigans are but we want Dwayne the rock johnson and jackie chan just shenanigans all the time with queen latifah disapprovingly wagging her finger at them saying that's not appropriate we're on a mission here except her dialogue will be more snapping have her improv most of the time I think that would be great. Just Queen Latifah, Jackie Chan, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I can see the money rolling in already. Like, they hit so many demographics. Is We've got people who go to the gym will come to see Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And, and people who like Queen Latifah will come see Queen Latifah. And then everyone loves... Have you ever met a human being who doesn't like Jackie Chan? That man does his own stunts. Bless his heart. Not anymore. But. I since when he, you know, I was just watching the special edition of Super Cop, and and they had a sizzle reel at the end of him doing his own sons. That's a recent movie, isn't it? Anyway, Jackie Chan's your new man. Oh, that rhymes is quite wonderful. <laughs> anyway, I I see this making a lot of money. All right, so. I have taken the result of, <laughs> of your uh, development here, plugged them into our movie machine, which... Show me the uh, money! 
which makes a choir noise when we plug it into it. So I'm going to pull the lever and see what happens. Oh, that was delightful. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> most, most people don't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> what? Heavens to Betsy, no. <laughs> there's, there's a large portion of the population that's just kind of like put off and like Queen Latifah's not a draw anymore <clears throat> a handful of people come and see it and like it and if you've got a group of people who you know thought oh it was alright it was okay it was kind of a pulpy funny goofy thing whatever cool we'll watch it special effects we're gonna eat whatever it's kind of like a Dracula Untold or you know Snow White and the Huntsman type area in that sense <clears throat> um, The Last Witch Hunter yeah. I love The Last Witch Hunter don't you dare talk crap about that movie <laughs> anyways so <laughs> Beyond that, uh, there is a, a group of fans that is kind of large and very surprisingly large, and kind of like a sleeper movement. Uva Bowl comes back to Hollywood, and a bunch of his fans. After he gives this like inspiring speech, maybe like the first one he he's has ever fans? given, and like people that used to like his movies or like hadn't liked his movies before suddenly start following him, but he. He gives this kind of speech saying about, like, Hollywood has made a good movie, finally. It's not like that Michael Bay bullshit. And it's like, he, he believes that, like, Hollywood is having this, like, second rebirth and this, like, sleeper, weird, crappy movie-loving audience movement comes out of it and starts, like, advocating for shittier movies to be made. So <laughs> you've got, like, all of these, these, like, new weird fans. Right now you're making about half your money back. So surprisingly large based on the budget that you had and the number of people that actually came to see it. But you haven't really made it back and you haven't really made much of an impact other than like a bunch of film critics being like, oh, what? what's Uwe Ball doing? With that, you have a little bit of time to make some reflections or last minute changes if you would like. Ben, if you would like to go first, you're welcome to. Well, since I'm going first, I know this is a lost cause, but I'll probably remove whoever the third character was. I didn't actually watch the movie after I read the notes. <laughs> get rid of Jackie Chan! Yeah, I feel like they didn't necessarily... I'd uh, maybe make some of the quips more smart, I guess, mm. if that makes sense. So it seems like they're taking it seriously. Or make the... You know what? No, make the quips more gallows humor. So it's like it's still like... This is a pretty shitty situation. Let's make light of it, you know? Maybe somehow trying to keep the tone. And my final job is going to be I'm going to just write a novel based on my script and change some of the names and uh, try to get that made into a movie. All right. Anything else you want to add? Uh. uh oh, are we singing? Oh! That's wonderful. I'm gonna have the rock die at the end. <gasps> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. So, James, uh, you yes. got your changes. Do you have any last minute reflections or last minute changes well, you'd like I, to make? I see, I see what the problem is. I've watched the movie over and over and over again. Mostly, mostly just out of enjoyment, but also. Uh, to get a feeling for what it is that we may have missed, or what, what, what it is that didn't quite catch on, why people feel that this is a bad movie, and I, I understand it. 
I understand what it is. Uh, it is a, a highly cerebral film, but it is also, uh, we had mixed in all of this various and sundry, uh, very physical comedy, very, uh, very active, colorful, sort of uh, groundlings yelling and, and, and noises and, and uh, dumb show. Instead of making it uh, uh, something for everyone, instead we made it something for no one. So what I would like to do is actually to take the parts that we've filmed that have physical comedy. We're going to, uh, I think, repackage that as a uh, an in-universe separate short. I, I would like to f have my, my team sort of uh, flesh that out with some extra shooting. And then uh, that will be almost like a cartoon before the very serious movie, which will have almost no comedy in it. And uh, we will keep the gallows humor, but it will, uh, I, if anything, I want it to be more oppressive and more cerebral. I want it to be a war movie that makes people think, as well as a, a, a fantasy setting. Uh, sort of a Kurosawa du jour, if you will. So, Kyle, do you have any last-minute changes or reflections? Well, I, I think we're on to something here. <laughs> when the UA Bowl people come out of the woodwork, you know, you, you've struck gold. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to... I'm going to take the cut from the director of all the slapstick and everything. We're going to... I'm going to hire a second unit director. Maybe UA Bowl himself. I don't think he's occupied. And we're going to keep up we're gonna ravage up the the over the top slapstick action everything we'll bring jackie chan back you know everything and we'll just make this big slapstick action fantasy extravaganza and and luckily someone gave me a manuscript for a novel based in the same world no uh, <laughs> and and i think it's perfect for a sequel in fact with these changes the sequel we're gonna make a franchise and with Dwayne the Rock Johnson dying that's perfect Queen Latifah will become like a wizened cleric who runs a temple and the sequel will have a new cleric and a new warrior takes on the mantle and I've already signed them to a picture deal it's going to be time. it's going to be Adele and Jason Statham in the sequel <laughs> people are gonna people love their, their, their slightly chubby but musically inclined leading ladies along with a quippy action star who couldn't act themselves out of a wet burlap sack and we get that with Statham he carries on that acting torch from Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and he'll play off Adele so well, and if you heard her voice, she's like an angel. We'll have her sing sing the title sequence, and she can sing anything she wants. She can sing about losing a boyfriend or anything, it'll be okay, because it's Adele. And that soundtrack will fund the movie single-handedly, and we'll, we'll have a sequel, and it'll be called Soul Sister 2. Yes, I, I smell franchise... Um, I may not have UA Bull direct that second one. I might. I don't know who I'll get. Maybe I'll get the guy from the room. <laughs> Tommy Wiseau. Yes. <laughs> well, Uwe Bull is delighted to work with you if you'll have him. Oh, really? Because he loves the, he loves the draft. I'll share like my green tea collection with him. <laughs> you spawn a whole series of movies that most people don't watch, but still somehow generate money, kind of like the Shrek franchise, basically. In the way that, that that keeps coming back and back and back and back in unpleasant and unfortunate ways. But, you know, you guys aren't poor. You get to eat, so congrats on that. Oh, I do that copiously. Sure. 
Yes. All right. We will end our episode, as always, with a quote from our divine sage of wisdom, Guy Fieri. Look at this thing. It's smoke-riddled and gnarlified. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Sounds like no more voice.